if you could spend a moment with some remarkable people and discover what the life sounds like, what would you ask? Welcome to Are We On Air, an audio encounter. I'm Armand Nafei, and each episode will feature one conversation with an inspiring friend of mine who will share with us the soundtrack to their life. Hello, beautiful people, and welcome back to another episode of Are We On Air? Live and direct from the Hamptons in New York, where I was just playing during July 4th's weekend at my old stomping grounds at Sunset Beach. A good 10 years ago, when I first started to play at Sunset, it was the first place where I was able to really play my kind of music, which was music from all over the world and in particular from the African continent. And this week's guest is one of those artists that I was always playing, and his name is Seun Kuti. If his surname rings a bell, then you might be onto something. Jamaica had Bob Marley, America had Martin Luther King, and Africa had Fela Kuti. The late Afrobeat legend's son and I had a wonderful chat at his house in London a good few weeks ago, and I was very happy that we were finally able to make this happen. Esiun was literally on top of my wish list since we've started this podcast. We've covered everything from Nigeria to his personal sound and life soundtrack, and all the way to his upcoming new record. But we also covered the legacy and the memories of his father and the current wave of global pop and Afro beats that has conquered the world. It was a lot of fun hanging with Seun and I cannot wait to finally see him and the legendary band The Egypt 80 that he took over from Fela to finally see them live, hopefully during Felabration on October 10th through 16th in Nigeria, TBC. If you want to see, hear, feel all playlists and interviews, then find us on Instagram, Spotify or Apple at Air. And don't forget to leave us a lovely review. Makes me very happy to hear from you guys. Now, let's get started. It's a celebration. So welcome to Awion. Are we on air? <laughs> we are on. We are on. We're clearly on. It's been a long time coming. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> Finally, yeah. You know what? I started this interview series exactly two years ago, and you were top of my list of interview guys I wanted to have on the show. Yeah, you see? Corona, man. Corona, and then a two-hour taxi ride later. <laughs> <laughs> see, if I was staying in London, I'd have been in my apartment yeah. with 20 people. <laughs> And no time for you. You'll be there waiting for me, waiting to... You'll have come there in 15 minutes and wait two hours. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so it's good to just take the two, you know... Yeah, and have at least time by myself. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. All right. So what is Awe and Am? I'm basically painting a picture of who you are, your life story from beginning, middle, end, but through a couple of songs. Okay, great. And let's start with 
What's your earliest significant musical memory that shaped you as an artist? That's very easy because um, I was on tour with my dad and this was in 1990. I was about seven. I was in 91 and he was touring his latest record then. He just put out Underground System and Pansa Pansa. You know, but this was just two songs, you know. By the end, Fela was just doing two songs, so side A, side B. 30 minutes, 30 minutes. Make <laughs> <laughs> life easy. Yeah, you know, simple. <laughs> simple things. <laughs> Just these simple things. Uh, but he was playing some even some songs that he had not recorded. He was playing BBC on the tour as well, which was Big Blind Country. Yeah. The senior brother of London. You know, it's what he used to call Nigeria. BBC. Oh, Big right. Blind Country. Oh, okay. The senior brother of London. I see. <laughs> <laughs> Now one I man be king Watching him perform that tour for me, you know, so that album, Underground System, and actually, to be precise, to be more precise, Knasa Pansa. Banana, make you jack. Yes, Give me banana. Yes, Before white jump like monkey. Yes, monkey they shop banana. Yes, Give me banana. Yes, Before white jump like monkey. Yes, monkey they shop banana. Yes, Flex, complain. Flex your god that this. I sing a song. Go slow, go slow, go slow, go slow. Flex, complain. Flex your god that this. For me, I swear. For me, I swear. For me, I swear, as long as Africa they suffer, Africa they hungry, Africa they unite, no freedom, no justice, no happiness. Let go here, Panza, Panza, hey! that frenzy of that wow, tune you know yeah. being on tour with the band you know like all these hundred people on stage <laughs> <laughs> absolutely going crazy the crowd you know and yeah, at the end of insane. the show you know you're backstage and they just and my dad did not have a bank account <laughs> you always have to be paid in cash <laughs> i love that you know and they just bring all this money like <laughs> piled up on backstage on this table, like, you know, women everywhere. Everybody just wants his attention. You know, and I'm there, I'm, you know, everybody wants his attention. He was my attention. You know, and I'm like, this is what I want to do when I grow up. 
this has to be the easiest job ever. <laughs> <laughs> and here we are in London, <laughs> straight from the BBC studios. <laughs> you know, so I have to say underground system as an album shaped me as a musician in terms of saying, okay, this is what I want to do. Yeah, I mean, it's it was it's literally in your blood. I don't even think you had a different choice. I mean, it's... it's Actually, no, no, I had choices because, you know, my dad died when I was 14. So I was playing with the band still. I was now the lead man. You were playing in the band, right? Yeah, I, joined, I, joined, yeah. I started playing when I was eight. Yeah, As, yeah. After this tour in 91, yeah. I, I got in the band. I was opening for my dad every show. So I toured in 92, America, Europe, with my dad opening for him. Yeah, you know, so when he died in 97, I was still in the band, you know, so I, we just kept playing, you know, but not trying to toot my own horn, <laughs> apart from being this promising musician, I was good in school and I was also my school's football captain. Oh, wow. Not soccer. I mean, not American yeah, football, but what the, American real, football. the real football. The real football that you play <laughs> yeah. with your feet, you know. Yeah. So... From the beginning of high school, I wanted to be an economist. Oh, wow. Because you had to carry so much cash as a child. You wanted to learn more about uh, no, that. Not really. I wasn't making this, this much money. Because yeah. my, dad used to, my dad used to pay me. Yeah. And I had more money than my friends. Yeah. Because I was working under, in the Egypt and I was getting paid. Yeah. Plus my pocket money. So I was balling. Yeah. You know. <laughs> in junior high. <laughs> <laughs> Being high in junior high. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I wasn't smoking. I wasn't getting high. Okay. I started smoking when I was 21. All right. You know, because growing up in Kalakuta, everybody was smoking. You know, so it wasn't cool. Got it. And none of my friends were really smoking. You know, so it was what the adults were doing. Yeah. But as soon as I went to uni and my flatmates were smoking, you're like, give me that. Let me yeah, see. What the fuck are you doing in Kalakuta? What are you doing? What are you bring this shit in here? Yeah, so I was 14. So I was just happy to be playing every week with the band. When my dad passed, mm. you know, it wasn't like I owned the band. You know, I was just happy to be, I was the lead singer now. Was there like a natural transition to that? Or yeah, you, because you actually I'd had already to kind been of... in the band, mm. you know, since I was eight. So by 97, I was like 14, you know, when my dad passed. Mm. So it was just because we wanted to keep playing. And I kept playing with the band and going to school at Amazing. the same time. Amazing. You know, so I realized when I was in middle school, middle of high school, I hated school, but only for one reason. I was good in school, but I hated waking up in the morning. <laughs> so I realized that if I was an economist, I'd have a job. You had to wake up early. And I'd have to wake five. up. <laughs> So immediately in the middle of high school, the dream of being an economist was chucked out. <laughs> <laughs> but I was still the school football captain by the time I was in senior secondary school. I was so good. I was the captain of the junior team, but I played in the senior team. You know, in the junior team, I was the striker. In the senior team, I was left back, you know. But by the time I got to the seniors, I was already like captain of the senior team as well, you know. But then my uncle said to me, you know, if you play football, you're going to have to retire by the time you're 35. What are you going to do with the rest of your life? You know, all the good coaching jobs are already taken. And then we had Asenwenga and yeah. Alex Ferguson and all these coaches that just never left yeah. in the good clubs. <laughs> they're not moving. They're here. They're going to be here for a bit. <laughs> good luck trying to get in. <laughs> exactly, you know. 
so I was like, well, so that kind of killed my dream of playing football. So I had options and they were open to me, but music is the only thing you can do forever. Forever. You know, like right now, you're like, what is Pele doing? Who knows? <laughs> Yeah, he's doing something like yeah, he's doing some, one time some I, dodgy deals, yeah. And, and, and some uh, Viagra adverts, <laughs> you know. Hey, listen, I'm happy you're stuck Rolling with the Rolling Stones are still rocking, bro. Yeah, and yeah. even was it Elton John, you know. He's, he's still... These are Pele's pairs in the music era, and, you know, they're still going. So I realized music can give you lifetime employment and satisfaction, like a beautiful woman. What's your favorite team? Arsenal. Arsenal. And then this and then the super eagles. <laughs> they are not so good, right? They were we're not going to the walk up. But enough. I don't mind. He's in Qatar. You know, nobody's having fun. There. <laughs> it's gonna be the worst World Cup ever. Oh my god. <laughs> I can bet my life oh my on god. that. Yeah. You know, this is gonna be the most terrible. I mean, you know, like <laughs> I know you can't way. drink. Yeah. There's no drinking. <laughs> You know, 50 degrees. Yeah, it's hot. Far away. Very expensive. <laughs> I mean, no expression. Just, you know, it's just going to be a... Ter- you know, I mean... It's, you know what? It's just breaking into a new market. It's what it is. I saw the other day. You know, remember the South Korea, Japan World Cup? You know, it's like... And they're all like... They were all furious that it was like all kind of basically bought. I was like, why are you surprised? They're just breaking into a new market. It's it's a business. <laughs> I mean, but even South Japan, Korea was... I mean, it's even a better choice than... Oh, yeah, of course. So, yeah. Qatar is... I mean, come on. The, the whole Middle East sanctioned them for being like the number one sponsors of Al-Qaeda. I know, of ISIS. You, you'll not be able to look... Like, if you look left in Qatar... You can't look right. They're going to arrest you. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> well, let's keep on looking straight ahead. And yeah. straight the rest of your life. <laughs> I know it's very difficult and always music changes throughout our lives. But how would you describe yourself with three songs? Ah, okay. Describe myself. Wow. Who are you in three songs? <laughs> That's a good question. Well, I am Dana Ross. Mm. Baby love. My baby love, I need you, I need... I'm that. Why? Because I'm a dad and a husband. Also, at the same time, I am Shakazulu, Picnic, Gabi, Picnic, Lumumba, Picnic, Taros Riley, Shakazulu, Picnic. 
you know, because I'm a revolutionary. And at the same time, I'm water. He don't get any me because I'm a first world African, Pan-Africanist, you know. I think I'm all of that in three songs. I love that you were able right away to describe yourself. You, you know who you are. You know? <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> talking about Pan Africa. But actually, before we go to that, there's one thing for me like Africa Unite, right? That yes. I want to talk to you about. How could one, and you know, I had this conversation with Muta Baruka and with Chronics. I would love to hear your opinion. How could one build a bridge between the motherland? And the diaspora. And what would the national anthem be? <laughs> wow. <laughs> Building a bridge between the motherland and the diaspora, I believe it's a political question. And we need political action. You know, the way you have the Bank of China in every Chinese Chinatown in the world, and you have the Bank of India in every Indian neighborhood, and the government of Africa need to invest in African neighborhoods all over the world. And through these investments, to uplift our brothers that are caught behind enemy lines, that were kidnapped for 300 years and their descendants still left unattended to African governments are the only government that don't make speeches when their children get killed in foreign lands. Mm. You know, so if a Frenchman gets killed in, in America, the French government says something. Chinese American gets killed in Europe. I mean, the Chinese government wants to know what's up. Mm. You know, but we have black people being killed in England, America, because they say they're American. African governments say nothing. You know, the African Union says nothing. Mm. So this kind of detachment from our responsibility politically creates that illusion that Africans are not connected. All motherland people are not global. Because it's easier divide and conquer, right? Yeah. Don't be one. I believe personally that other than through this music that we're able to, through the arts and the music that we're able to find each other, you know, because African people are, are calling out to one another from all over the world. We just don't understand it through our arts, you know. For example, when we say hip hop is American music, reggae is Jamaican music, all these things we say. It's just but to divide. Me, reggae, you know, even if you hear the spirit of reggae music, reggae sounds lonely in an exciting way because it's African. So I feel that is the African spirit 
when it's isolated on an island. The blues, jazz, funk, hip hop. That's African music when it's oppressed, completely segregated and then oppressed, you know, intimidated by larger majority. Salsa, African music when it's, that's what Africans do when we are from Marengue to Salsa to all the South American music that is from, that is also from our oppression, but in terms of objectification, you understand? Of, as like a common a common thread throughout all these different so-called genres, but picked up with local ingredients. Exactly. You know, the way Africans in South America were accepted to be the objects of their masters and making all these exotic babies. And, but they had to know their place. So they had to, where the oppressor wasn't ashamed to dance the slaves dance. Mm. You had salsa and all this. So all our art form has been calling out to Africa and our leaders have been deaf. I think that's also one of the next things that Africans have to understand is that we must begin to understand the music of our of the diaspora, not as inferior or second class message of Africans. It's actually the source of a lot of our music today anyway. Yes. The foundation is African sound. Yeah. But I mean from the diaspora now, coming back to Africa, mm. we must not hear it as a inferior second-class sound, we must hear it as a call, as a call to action, as a call to emancipate, to begin to build, to recognize that our cousins are calling to us as African people to build the bridge, to rescue them from the oppressive situations they, they are existing under in all these different communities that Africans exist all over the world. Their music is calling to us for rescue. Beautifully said. Calling home. Yep. The sound of home. What could I play that we can share with our listeners that that's the origin, the original calling? Oh, wow. So many great sounds. Any Jiba to Jil. I mean, uh, any song from Baba uh, Tunde. so terrible it's terrifying black is a thousand black faces writhing and a million white faces asking oh my god what do they want black is such a shock it's electrifying black is a beautiful sister walking past the clear sign and watching the sign mentally asked himself i thought i knew for sure i thought i knew for sure that i was beautiful black is so composite it's the whole black is a stain on the kitchen towel that ajax cannot remove black is us Young and old, black as an old wrinkled faced queen sitting on the porch and rocking away her last days, thinking of her grandchildren. Black as the old lady's grandchildren yelling revolution so that their grandmother would die free. Black as misery, black as pain. 
black is marching in Alabama and getting nothing but rifle butts on the brain and not the freedom that you march for. Black is digging John Coltrane. John Coltrane is he. I think so many great African people that in the diaspora and even in our own time to listen to the dead prayers. It's first, uh, let's get you. I'm an African, I'm an African, uh, and I know what's happening. I'm an African, I'm an African, uh, and I know what's happening. You are African, you are African, uh, do you know what's happening? I'm an African, I'm an African, uh, and I know what's happening. It's plain to see. songs you know to hear even krs1 master krs1 yeah to hear him sound of the police to hear him break down our situation <laughs> Sounds of the AK-47 from all the revolutionaries in Grenada, in Central America, in Cuba. There's a message there for African people that we must not be afraid to listen to. I, that. I, I think also one way how the message has been conveyed, especially in the past few years, and I'd love to hear your opinion on that, between the difference of the Afrobeat and the Afrobeats. Right. And how there's like this phenomenon of like global, they call it global pop today, where in all kinds of languages, cultures, there's a certain sound and melody that just gets. Yeah, I mean, pop, pop. <laughs> global pop is the, is the commodification of musical cultures. You know, and that's why it is also pop music is also unique in its territory. That's why you don't have a big following of Korean kids listening to African music because they've got K-pop. And you don't have African kids, a big, some of them do, just with some Koreans do, but you don't have a big following of Africans following K-pop because they've got Afrobeats. And Brazilian kids following K-pop because they've got their own Brazilian pop music. And so that's how pop music works, you know. And Africans have a right to participate in that. 
I've not really seen any reason why not. I just feel that globally, though, there has to be space for music that is not telling young people that they are only worth as much as the amount of luxury goods they can buy. Commerce, yeah. So the, if that exists, let it exist, no problem. But the sky must be big enough for all birds to fly. If you're telling kids that message, giving them that narrative, you must be able to give them all other worldviews so that kids and adults as well can grow up with a balanced artistic experience. So they can make a real educated choice, the kind of human beings they want to be, not only listening to one message all the time, just because the owners of the commercial goods also own the radio stations and the record companies and the platforms on social media. So therefore, everything has to continuously feed their, the appetite of the consumer, you know, to patronize them. There has to also be the room for art that is for elevation, for building consciousness and all that, you know. So I think that is the balance that we have to find in general as artists and I think where we're getting it wrong is that because some artists are making some money, they, they reinforce the agenda of the oppressor, you know, to the detriment of all artists, to the extent that the music industry made $12 billion last year and artists only got 7%. <laughs> Besides yourself, have you discovered any young artist that, that you thought has I'm a message? I'm not young, man. I'm going to be 40 yeah, in January. Yeah, come on. I just look, I just look, compliments. I look young, you know. I know I look we're, 20. No, no, no. We're similar age, so we're young, please. <laughs> Don't throw me I'm going to be 40 <laughs> next year, and I'm not young. Yeah, you know? yeah. But have you discovered, like, a young artist, maybe also coming out of Nigeria, that has a, a conscious message you thought it was inspiring or interesting? Okay. Coming out of Nigeria, there's a band called the Lagos Thugs that I think, you know, are quite powerful in that respect. I will check it out. Well, maybe in October we can go and, and go and see them as well. Yeah. We touched on your on your father, on your papa. Do you have a memory, like a memory that on maybe even on stage that you will never forget? Yes, that I do. Give it to me. I was nine and we were playing in Connecticut. Or was it Cincinnati? It was either Connecticut or Cincinnati. I remember it was a, you know, long C. A city that was started with a C. <laughs> I was kind of like long, you know, and in the hall, you know, was my dad was playing this huge ass auditorium and there was a game center and I was playing arcade and I lost the track of time and it was showtime and I was really open for my dad at this time. <laughs> we found him, oh, rush backstage, boom. You know, my dad would not go on stage. He was waiting for me to open it. So I had to quickly change to the stage. So I told my sister to quickly help me tie my fucking pants while I wore my top and putting up, you know, but she didn't tie the pants, you know, this traditional African pants. And she just like pulled it and stuck the rope inside. I dashed on stage and in the middle of my song, my pants dropped to my ankles. <laughs> Stop laughing, I was dying. <laughs> I'm sorry. There were like 5,000 people. Oh there. God. I hate you. <laughs> I don't know why you're laughing. This is not funny. What did you do? The show must go on. <laughs> Pulled my pants and I had to hold my pants up with one hand. Like, listen, this is why when I do my shows today, nothing phases me. You know, that happened to me and I was nine. You know, nothing phases me. Absolutely nothing. What track was playing? I, I was playing Lady. 
I was singing Lady Not Play. I was singing live with the band. I was performing. If you call a woman, African woman, no go green. She go say, she go say, I be Lady Yo. What was Fela listening to at home? Nothing. Nothing? I can tell you, I never saw that man listening to nothing. I never heard him listening to any music. When I was growing up, he had a tape in his room. By the time I was like 10, by the time I was 10, there was no more tape in his room. Like he didn't, my dad never listened to music. Weird, right? Yeah. Well, maybe because maybe he was finding his inspiration from somewhere. Was he reading? Was he, what, what was he doing on his off time? Was there anything? Having lots of sex. <laughs> well, there you go. That's the source of inspiration. <laughs> <laughs> do you still have conversations with him? Yes. I still go to where he's buried and I like do what we call cheap therapy. <laughs> you know, you talk to the dead about what's going on because you don't want to tell anybody alive about it. Yeah, but it's good. I like that. But sometimes you dream and you see loved ones. Is that real? We don't know. But we feel it. We feel it. It's gloomy on this beautiful June evening in London. <laughs> What's your favorite track of yours? Mm. Recorded or unrecorded? One of each. <laughs> okay. Of all the tracks I've put down, I think African Dreams. That's a drop track. I think I really, I've really done myself there. Too many young me youth lost to television, chasing the American dream. Tell me who they dream. Dream for Africa. Too many young me youth believe in the hype, living a stereotype. Tell me who they live. Live for Africa. Too many young me youth lost to television, chasing the American dream. Tell me who they dream. Dream for Africa. Too many young me youth believe in the hype. Living in a stereotype, tell me who they live. So many want that good life. Above my unrecorded songs on my new album right now, I think I'm really loving. The new one that you're working on right now. Yeah, I'm loving a song called Move. But there are a lot of great songs on the record, if I have to say so myself already. Like, I'm waiting to hear it. Are we going to hear something? Like... Yeah, but we've been playing it on tour as well, you know, so oh. that's a good thing. <laughs> relax, relax, baby. <laughs> Do you need a foot massage? <laughs> Listen, don't blame me. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. <laughs> well, if you're not sleeping on your sofa, um, but you're getting ready for a night out, what's your go-to song when you want to go out? I don't go out anymore, so I don't even know. Back I, in I, the days. You know, back when I was growing up, we used to do like playlists. And you just have a dope playlist, you know, bumping in the car on your way to the club. I have to say I can't remember. It's been too long. <laughs> but you, you, but you're married and you're in love. And what's your what's your go-to falling in love or heartbreak song? Heartbreak song. For some reason, it's the Heartbreak Motel by Whitney Houston. You know, Whitney Houston had that lovely. This is the Heartbreak Hotel. This is the Heartbreak Hotel. 
tell For knowing your friends fit up to eat Have you ever met, worked with Whitney? No, no, I, I never met Whitney. She would have Bobby, Bobby Brown me. So <laughs> I'm happy. I, I'm happy I did it. You know, yeah, yeah. I'm such a young, sexy man. Like I thought you were not young. <laughs> no, then okay. when she was alive, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Whitney would have Bobbied me. <laughs> I'll Bobby you. <laughs> <laughs> When when you're uh, feeling super sexy with your with your woman, what's the sexiest song? Ah, yeah, asking for the boom boom song. The boom boom song. <laughs> what's the boom boom song? <laughs> well, well, you know, in my generation, you know, we've come through with the vibes cartel. You know, yes. everybody's on that vibe team these days. Real bad man, no Magdalena shots. My wife would know, but she has this every girl I go and bad song. And you know, I love it. Mama like a princess gone bad. Mr. Daddy's little angel broke Mama like a pearl. Tell him she's so ready for the world. Walking out, just another good girl. Gone bad the one she was a good girl. But now she gone bad. She gone bad. Yeah. Do you do you like that right now? Nigeria and the sound of Lagos has such a boom. Like people around the world love and even contemporary pop artists coming out of Lagos and all these like re-releases of these compilations and that this music gets spread. Yeah, I mean, Lagos deserves its flowers musically in general. Nigeria deserves it. Africa deserves its musical flowers, you know. Uh, so many of our legends have influenced so many great music musicians all over the world who have actually given them credit. But the industry has refused to give us credit, mm -hmm. you know. It just, it just guesses our time, you know. I love it. 
And I'm all for it. <laughs> Waving the Nigerian flag <laughs> through the streets of London. Yeah, but you know, get ready. You're going to need more hands because we're coming from South Africa, from Kenya, Ethiopia, fucking Ghana. I played a gig in, in Accra in Ghana and uh, I have to say it was my top three gigs I've ever played. There you go, you know, Mali. For me, some of the best music in the world comes out of Mali. Yeah, you see, exactly. You know, like I always tell people, like this is why I know that there's something missing in African music connection, where someone like Tikinja, yeah, Tikinja Fakoli is not a household name in the whole of Africa, you know. Uh, so, uh, Vu Fakature, so many great African artists coming out of that part of West Africa, you know. So I think, you know, the world is just, getting, you know, brace yourself, world. Like, there's so, so much you're not yet ready for that's going to hit you so hard. You know? Brace yourself. I like it. Yeah, not only a Nigerian thing. I think it's an African thing. Because the ears have been trained over decades now through the diaspora that I think, that, yeah, the world is ready, as you said, to go to the source. Yeah, y'all are, are welcome. Uh, I, did, <laughs> I did 12 years of that hard work. <laughs> well, see you in to wrap up our little chat. If your life would be a movie, what song would play in the end credits? Wow. Your documentary on Netflix. <laughs> What's going to be playing be, in the end credits? Let me, let me think about it. <laughs> let me think about it. Because this is important. This is a good, <laughs> important question. What song will end my documentary? <laughs> My brother, thanks for being on air with us. I got I got I got no agreement today, no agreement tomorrow, no agreement today, no agreement. Yeah, no agreement today, no agreement tomorrow, no agreement today, no agreement tomorrow, no agreement today, no agreement. Make my brother hungry. Make him not talk. You know? Or I'll survive. You know, pick one of the two. You know, that's it. We're going out without compromise. I love it. <laughs> well, thank you very much. Yeah, my pleasure. <laughs> Here's your mic back. Talk. Papa talk. My papa talk. Your papa talk. My mama talk, your mama talk. Those words not talk them they see. I not go giri, make my brother hungry. Make I not talk. I not go giri, 
make my brother homeless. Make I not talk. No agreement today, no agreement tomorrow. Thank you for tuning in this week. If you want to listen to the full playlist, visit areonair.com or our Spotify channel. You can also find us on Instagram and on YouTube at areonair. And a big thank you to my wonderful team at Studio Noi. I'm Armand Nafei and I'll speak to you soon.